hello and welcome to the Waiting Since Last Saturday Spotlight Series. Spotlight. Da, 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 da. There's a spotlight. Imagine an imaginary spotlight. Here, I am Will Leach. Uh, Scott and Tony are not here. They actually are here, but they're duct taped and silenced in the corner and looking on helplessly as I take over the podcast for a little bit. I am delighted to have, uh, by the way, next week on Monday, sometime probably Tuesday of next week, we will be doing our actual game preview because there'll be an actual game to preview, which will be exciting in which there will be fans and a lot of them there for better or for worse. One supposes. Now, if you will, uh, longtime listeners or people that were just listening in the last couple of years will remember one of my, our favorite spotlight series guests was Ed Kilgore, who is a, my, a colleague of mine, actually, at uh, New York Magazine. He writes about politics there, but don't worry, there'll be a little politics, but nothing divisive, because politics is not divisive at all. It is warm and comforting and welcoming, particularly to save Georgia in the year 2022. <laughs> but now it's 2021, so we're going to talk about happy things. Uh, and of course, Ed is a is a Georgia guy, uh, true, true. You remember the podcast two years ago? Uh, he is uh, He's as big of a dog fan as anyone. Ed, thank you for coming on and chatting with me. Glad to be back, Will, and glad to be looking ahead to some actual football. Yeah, how do you feel about that? I think this is a great way to kind of start the discussion. We talked a little bit beforehand of uh, some of the things we want to discuss, but certainly, you know, uh, I remember as we've kind of built up, you know, I well, my book came out in May, and we had a big book party, and everyone was vaxxed, and everyone was indoors and having a great time, and and uh, no one could shame us, no one could Obama shame us for that uh, just yet, so we could all have fun with it, and we thought we were through this if we were vaxxed, and then uh, we run into Delta and everything uh, coming with that. The whole notion of this season has been... All right, back to normal, back to normal. From my, I will say here in Athens, I'm not hearing a lot of people changing their football plans uh, for this year. I think they're hoping that things get a little bit better with Delta over the next few weeks. But uh, I'm curious, Ed, so much has changed since we talked last. First off, how are you doing? And secondly, are you? do, do you feel like we're going to have a normal season this year? Huh. Well, two, two, two big questions. Good questions. <laughs> Very good questions. I, you know, I lots happened in the last couple of years to me and a lot of other people. You know, I moved a couple times, though not very far. I was diagnosed with cancer, had surgery, all well now. Good, Lost good, good. one family member to COVID uh, with some close brushes on others, and um, wrote about a. I've written about a million words on politics in the last couple of years, and probably didn't change too many hearts and minds. <laughs> But, but uh, we we make we keep making the words anyway. <laughs> that's that's absolutely right. Uh, you know somebody's got to do it. And uh, in terms of your second question, normalcy. Uh, yeah, we came in just as recently as a few months ago. We thought, you know, uh, we were going to have a hot vac summer with with everybody returning to normal at least for the time being. Um, not so much. Uh, we thought politics would simmer down with a you know old boring president uh, hadn't gotten boring yet and most of all to us football fans we thought we could have a normal season of college football as we always knew it <laughs> uh, with tons of people in the stands and everything else sort of unchanged uh, not so much and um, you know, I, at this point, I have stopped expecting a return to normalcy and am just waiting for the next weird twist in life. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that, that seems uh, perhaps the, the best self-care way <laughs> to handle uh, everything that's going on. I, I feel like – and I'm curious though. It's funny because even – 
let's say, and obviously we can't, ex, uh, you know, extricate, extricate uh, COVID from the world, but even independent from COVID, college football has, college athletics in general, has gone through some pretty dramatic changes uh, since we since we talked last. From of course, uh, from uh, from the NIL, and of course, all the transfer going on, and really. The largest thing I think we thought playoff expansion was going to be in NIL was going to be the biggest thing that was going to happen in college football. And then Texas and Oklahoma completely uh, roiled the whole thing. Putting aside, you know, like have fans in stands and what it'll be like in tailgating, which it all seems like it's going to be back, at least here in Athens. I'm curious, just college football-wise, as an old as old school college football guy, but back from, from who is who's done his fair share of munsoning uh in his day. Uh what do you do you are I know some people who heard NIL and thought, oh, this just isn't college football for me anymore. Or even if, even if they knew stuff was going on, it felt like the losing that, that veil of illusion a little bit kind of hurt uh, their enjoyment of the game. I'm curious, do you have, have your, has your view of college football or your enjoyment of it changed any uh, with all like kind of the dramatic changes that have gone on? Well, not yet. I mean, yeah, I'm an old guy. Uh, I am not an old guy that was, that, that thought of, what the NCAA views as amateurism is essential to the sport. I thought it was a drawback. I mean, you know, if coaches were still making like $60,000 a year, I might be okay with the players themselves getting stiffed. But I, I think the allowing players to benefit at least a little bit from their own contributions to a massively expensive and inflated game uh, was long overdue. So that didn't bother me. I do think we are only beginning to understand the implications of, of the whole NIL change. And, and I think very obviously the NCAA's uh, resistance to this reform uh, is going to make it a lot harder to regulate it as effectively as would have been the case if they really accepted it and thought through it for years and years. Uh so I, we're in the Wild West when it comes to that, and I think you could say the same thing of the one-time transfer rule, which again, to me, seems defensible, if only because uh, nobody keeps coaches from moving around. Um, and, you know, playoff expansion and now conference realignment is where I'm a little nervous. Uh, as we talked about a couple of years ago, I'm that rare college football fan who is – fine if my team is good uh and you know is in the but discussion. not great right but not dominant it doesn't have to be dominant um and I, and i'm not at all hung up on national championships um i occasionally wonder if social media didn't exist would you know the taunts of non-georgia fans you know that we haven't won a championship since 1980 would that really be so painful if it wasn't brought up 3,000 times a day on Twitter. Uh, it doesn't bother me that much, but clearly the playoff expansion, I think the related issue of conference realignment are forces that are driving the sport in the direction of college basketball with the postseason becoming all important. And what we used to think of as the postseason, the sort of rich menu of bowls, becoming irrelevant and maybe extinct. Um, I'm not so crazy about those changes. Uh, how about you? You know, I I think once you ex- once you set up the playoff, uh, th- this was really inevitable. 
Because <laughs> I, I think that what, once we decided that the bowl games, that the charm of the bowl games didn't, or the I guess the bowl game representatives didn't <laughs> getting all their money, uh, it didn't matter as much anymore. Listen, the bowl thing was very inefficient, right? The whole, the whole, a lot. It was a lot of pomp and circumstance, not necessarily signifying anything. And I think once you made it four, inevitably you were going to have to make it eight or twelve. And once you make it, and once that started happening, once you made it four, all of a sudden the regular season started to lose power because if you lost we saw this last year with georgia right like georgia lost two games halfway through the season and i know for personally many georgia fans were like oh yeah i'm out (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm, I'm out for this. And part of that, of course, there was no tailgating and the fan experience was weird. Obviously, it was a, it was a, a different kind of year. But like, I'll put it this way. If, so, if something – we'll talk about this specific Georgia team. But if Georgia like loses to Clemson and then, say, loses to Florida – I know, bite my tongue. I'm sorry. But like people are going to – there are a large percentage of people here that are going to consider the season a failure at that point. And I don't think that's just Georgia. I think that when you set up a playoff, it clearly says a, hey, okay, you need to get here or you didn't make it somehow. And and I think every team has that. I know friends, I have friends that went to Indiana that were that were frustrated that oh, we had a good team last year but we missed the playoff. We had an opportunity. It's like guys, you guys finished 12th. Like Indiana never that should be so exciting for Indiana to have this breakthrough season and they weren't not happy with it, but it's something felt like oh, we didn't quite get there and that's what happens when you have a playoff it just kind of like with like you talk about with college basketball and you have a and you have a tournament if you don't make it somehow the season feels like a failure once you have that inevitably you're going to expand the playoff <laughs> you have yeah. to expand the playoff at some point because coaches don't want to constantly feel like like kirby smart is a terrific coach who's done like who's totally turned georgia into perennial power but if he doesn't win the championship the, the people are going to be like oh kirby smart we'll get into that as well so well, certainly the, he, the, I, I would i agree with you i yeah i think something to keep in mind though is that what has really made the playoff era troubling was that not just that fans gave up if their teams didn't make it players did too and this is where one reform might actually counter the other because i think one of the potential benefits of nil is um it's going to be players are going to be less focused the better ones uh, on moving on to the league uh, they'll have an incentive, a financial incentive, to stick around in college, and I think that should also uh, eliminate a lot of the opt-outs that have sort of ruined the postseason for teams that did not make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean that that Georgia Texas game. I mean that that was like that, that was not really Georgia, and in a way, it wasn't. It was actually it was more Texas than it was Georgia, and I think that you saw. And in fact, I think you've seen Kirby Smart actually kind of change the way they approach bowl games. After that, I think it's one of the reasons they were closer to to uh, where they should have been, at least in that Cincinnati game last year. But you know, I think you're right, and like like it turned bowls into exhibitions rather than rewards for a good season. So of course, players would do that, and I you know I think that I think and I. The example I always use on this is, forgive me, listeners of this podcast will not be surprised to hear this, but I'm about to talk about Illinois college basketball for a second. But Illinois has a player named Kofi Coburn, who was a second-team All-American last year, and he's 23 years old. And if it were 1991, he's 7'2", 7'1", and like 
280 pounds of muscle. He is like Shaq. He's basically Shaq. All he does is he, he dunks on people and throws around. If it were 1991, he'd be a top three draft pick, but it's not 1991. You have to be able to shoot. You have to be able to, to be three and D and all the stuff that guys like that. He's not fast enough. He doesn't really, he's not a great passer. And so guys like that just don't really have a space in the, in the NBA anymore. Before last year, but he went ahead and declared go, to go pro thinking, okay, even if I don't get drafted, I'll go play somewhere in Spain and someone will pay me. But what happens when NIL happened is a whole bunch of Illinois, a whole bunch of people in Champaign said, hey, Kofi, please sponsor Papa Dell's Pizza. Please sponsor this. And all of the, and he, the, he was able to kind of run the numbers, realize, oh, there's actually some money for me to use this brand now. And so I think the idea that NIL is somehow, and I think there's weird stuff now, like with Bryce Young at Alabama, he's getting all this huge amounts of money. But that's all, to me, that's where your, your Wild West idea comes in, where like the first years, like in, two, in a year or two, these guys that are giving a million dollars to Bryce Young would be like, oh, these, they're like, okay, that's not actually the best efficient use of our marketing money. We did not get a million dollars worth back on that. I think these things will equate out, but I do think this is something that ultimately is going to help college sports because there is value in these athletes. That There's now money for them, maybe not as much as they should make. Maybe it's not universally spread around. Though I think you saw this with JT Daniels. You've already seen this with JT Daniels, him getting some sponsorship with Georgia. It's, it's Seth Emerson uh, reported about this. It's not like other people, other players on the team are being like, oh, well, Mr. Big Show, gets all this stuff and we don't. Uh, they're not. They're like, oh, he's a quarterback and he's a face of the team. Of course he gets those things. We, we don't get those. So I think these things, as with everything else, it feels like everyone, it feels like the end of the world or some huge dramatic shift. But inevitably people get used to it. Water finds, it level, finds its level and people figure it out. Well, on top of that, it's funny you mentioned the um, JT Daniels deal. He's apparently indicated he's going to share some of that sweet Saxby's yeah. money yeah. with his linemen uh, or with teammates. <laughs> yeah. um, that creates a whole new kind of <laughs> way of building team cohesion that we certainly didn't have before. I mean, didn't didn't Dan Marino give his offensive linemen isotoners back in the day? Something like that. And actually, Aaron Murray used to buy um, you know a Vermonster for his line if there was a game in which he did not get sacked. <laughs> but uh, I think this is a little more serious than uh, ice cream or isotoners. And and you know, to me, like that—that—that's why I'm kind of. I just feel like stuff like that. I know everyone's all talking about the change. I'm curious your thoughts about this because I know everyone's just talking about the change in college sports and there's really this like all, but. I would argue the change in college sports happened when ESPN started giving three billion dollars for ten games, like which is really what they did for the playoffs. Like you just it's ten individual football games, and they paid two, three, three billion dollars for it. That was the change. That is what it, that it's paying players is not the change. Extended playoff is not the change. The thing that the bomb that went off in college sports was the television money just getting so hugely out of control. When that happened, now we're all still like figuring, okay, how does this game work now? Where this happens? And it's like you talked about coaches making sixty thousand dollars. Like that's that's the thing, right? Is that like I you can make an argument for these players just getting by on scholarships. In fact, feeling like scholarships are more than adequate if it's 1992 and they're not playing yeah. uh, billions dollars a game. But for me, that's what's changed. And so all these other things, whether it's the playoff, whether it's NIL, whether it's transfer rule, all the stuff that's happened, it's all been response to that bomb going off, as opposed to their reactions to that rather than the change itself. Yeah, I, absolutely. And I, hey, I'm old enough that I can remember 
struggling to find Georgia games, uh, <laughs> find a way to watch Georgia games outside of the state of Georgia for years and years and years. And, hey, first time I ever watched ESPN, it was a women's volleyball game. Uh, it, it, <laughs> That's good. Hey, I was in a hotel room year. somewhere, and I, yeah. I found this new network. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. That changed the economics of college football in a million ways. Uh, and, 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 again, to, to belabor the point, it was inevitable that at some point all that filthy lucre would um, – trickle down at least some to the people creating it. Okay, so let's talk specifically Georgia. And before we we, I want, we can talk some of the some some fears about this year's team or fears moving forward. But I really kind of want to dig in a little bit of, you know, I we and it's an ongoing plot line on the podcast that like I I only moved to Athens in 2013 and I only started dating the Georgia grad obsessive fan that I would eventually marry in 2007. So, you know, at a certain level, I'm rel- my history doesn't go back as far as it should on this, other than that I remember being on uh, the 18th floor of our Brooklyn high-rise uh, for the 2012 SEC championship game and thinking that my wife was going to throw my office chair out the window onto the street to Brooklyn high uh, to, to Fort Greene, Brooklyn below. Uh, so that I kind of learned the Georgia experience a little bit late. So Tony and Scott and you are able to go back like much farther in the history. And so for me, I come here in 2013 and already – that like so much of the story is when's Georgia going to win the championship? When are they going to do it? It's been since 1980. And I'm curious with your history. And I think Tony and Scott have talked about how this used to be different as well. Like now it feels like that's why Kirby Smart is here. That's why there's a huge, uh, all the money has been poured into the program. That's what everybody wants is that title. That's why Kirby Smart can, can do all of these great things, but until he wins one, Stu Mandel's going to be on his case forever. And so I'm curious when you talk about like it not not so much not mattering, obviously if they win a championship, you'll be very excited. Yes. But like, do you feel that that is self defeating, or do you feel like do you feel like you enjoyed football more when that wasn't the extreme focus on everything? Probably so. I mean, right now I really want them to win a national championship, so everybody will shut up about it for a while, <laughs> and we could go. Speaking back of to, social media, <laughs> right? And, I, and I'm talking about Georgia fans as well as you know our rivals. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I love SEC championships. That's a really big deal to me, and it's not like we that's ever been much of a given in the SEC. So I'd like to go back to that mattering and, you know, hey, maybe even a division championship, assuming we have divisions in a year or two, which <laughs> is a whole other subject. But, uh, yeah, no, the obsessive focus on championships is kind of like, you know, only being interested in winning a gold medal in the Olympics uh, and not caring about the sport itself. It's a little ludicrous. Um, so, yeah, I, I would I would like to get past that. And, of course, if Georgia's in the playoffs, if Georgia wins a championship or breaks our hearts like they did in 2018 when you and I were in uh, put through one of the worst college football experiences ever in that Georgia-Alabama game, you know, if, that, if they win, great, but it's not absolutely necessary. I, I just – I do think if Georgia finally gets that behind them that maybe our own fans will chill a little bit. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, maybe not. What, what's what's the old George Carlin line? You know, someone asked him like, uh, "What does doing cocaine make you feel like?" He said, <laughs> he, said, "He said it makes you feel like doing more cocaine." And, <laughs> You're right. Uh, and, and I do wonder that because, like, like look at Auburn, man. Look, look at like, do they? I mean, we don't have Auburn has its own issues, but like, do people in Auburn look like happy and chill that because they won a championship a while back? I mean, for crying out loud, I mean, you know, uh, the people are. Uh, People are firing coaches all the time if they once they win one, and I think that you know I think that uh, that's the thing for me is the obsession on championships. And again, I want one. I get why people want one, but you know, I mean, there is a certain level where when you get one, this I'll put it this way: like I don't know a fan base in all of sports right now that is angrier at their ownership than the Chicago Cubs fans. Like they're furious. They're absolutely yeah. furious. They've they've sold all their players and and they're holding uh, fundraisers at Wrigley Field, uh, you know, and they're they're just doing all of the like and they're they've turned the whole thing into this ugly amusement park and they've just they've, it's just been like I'm a Cardinals fan and I'm embarrassed of what they've done to that franchise. But you know, five years ago, the, uh, every single one of those Cubs fans were like, "Wow, just get us a World Series championship." Who's they win five times as long as Georgia has? Get us a World Series championship, and it'll all be okay. It'll all be all right. And it is totally not all right for them right now. So I wonder about that with Georgia a little yeah. bit. The notion of once you get one, yeah, but then two years later you have a tough loss. You lost. You lose to Auburn when you shouldn't, and you're just mad again. Well, you you've raised a a, a question that has puzzled philosophers for many 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 <laughs> centuries. Do people go to Auburn because they're that way, or do they go to <laughs> Auburn and get that way? Um, yeah, but you're you're right. You're right. People have very short memories when it comes to deprivation in in sports and in life. Uh, but yeah, maybe we can get a two or three years of peace if Georgia wins the Natty <laughs> this year. So, what do you think uh, going into this year? It's funny that there, there, it, I've particularly noticed this as kind of the season previews have really started to ramp up. I kind of felt like, hey, Georgia's in a good position this year, um, and and you know, I feel like they're going to be in like the way recruiting is going. They're going to be kind of in this exact position every year, one of the top five or six contenders for the national championship every year, because that's just kind of what they're putting together, which is all you can ask. That's what you want is to get to have a shot. But I, it, I think it's because so many other teams are breaking in new quarterbacks at the top level, whether it's Clemson or Ohio state or Alabama, uh, um, Oklahoma isn't, but that's another reason people are excited about Oklahoma. And it does feel like there is a lot of national people being like, all right, maybe this is George's year. Cause they've got all the talent and they've got a quarterback that's coming back. And it's and so I'm curious, uh, as a longtime Munsoner, <laughs> one who Munsons, a Munson, yes. a Munson advocate, um, uh, are, are, do you have that optimism coming into this specific season? Or is there, do you still have that nagging uh, uh, Munson, Munsoner in the, back of your, uh, in the back of your brain? Well, I, a little of both. Um, I felt pretty good coming into this year for all the obvious reasons uh, of massive, pretty well distributed talent, uh, some really great moves by Kirby uh, in the transfer portal, and you know the weaknesses of a lot of our rivals, if not all of them. Uh, but you know, I have that nagging. Uh, the Munson in me uh, will not be quieted, and. Um, <laughs> 
I think my biggest fear when I was first thinking about doing this show with you was that the injury uh, pandemic that that everybody's already forgotten about this sort of hit Georgia at a really bad time in the defensive secondary last year um, before they played Florida uh, could hit again. And sure enough, uh, just in the last week, um, we've had multiple starters looking like they may be out for the Clemson game, if not longer. Um, and it, you know, that's just with practice having, you know, gone for about a week. So Lord knows what kind of devastation the injury bug, uh, could wreck on Georgia, uh, in the course of this year, usually at the worst possible time. That's my single biggest Munson fear, you know, other than, you know, Delta, roaring back and just wiping out the whole season, which I, I think, you know, is not as ridiculous an idea as it seemed to be a couple of months ago. Yeah, I still don't think that's going to happen, but I but yes, I I, I, I understand that uh, three months ago I definitely didn't think it was gonna happen. So uh, I you know and I and I get that, but it's funny because I also wonder if a lot of this is because they're playing Clemson first. Yes. Like if they if they were playing Clemson in week three I don't think that we would be sweating these injuries as much. No, 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 not at all. But you know, Clemson is. They are. <laughs> right. Clemson is a uh, you know. I, well, another one of my you know, the Munson in me fears that I think I mentioned to you is it will wind up uh, being the third firmly established as the third best team in the nation uh, and won't make the playoffs because the first two will be in some order Alabama <laughs> and Clemson. Uh, both of whom we play or will play if assuming Alabama wins their division. So, you know, yes, uh, Clemson is kind of scary. They have a lot of the same strengths uh, that Georgia does, including a, you know, a California product with a, a cannon arm and an unbelievable defensive line. So, yeah, uh, I, I think – some Georgia fans have been a little bit less worried because it's not a conference game. It's the beginning of the year. You can overcome it. You can go 11-1 and one, uh, and still roll into the SEC championship game. And if you win that, you're, you're still in the playoffs. That's a lot of ifs. With, so, the history, with, with the history of Georgia football that you have, is there a does this remind this build up remind you of any particular season in the past? Yeah. Where like, okay, so is there anyone in specific? Oh yeah, two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. <laughs> oh yes, yes. When Georgia, well, two two thousand seven, Georgia kind of was snake bit. Uh, they wound up the season ranked second after losing pretty badly to Tennessee in the regular season, and then having an inexplicable lost to South Carolina uh, in a regular season game uh, in which I was present. And it's, it's like Georgia was determined not to win. And by the end of the year, Georgia was clearly the best team in the nation. Um, but, you know, couldn't get to number one because of two losses. And uh, so next year, they're ranked number one in the preseason. A lot of high hosannas. Didn't look that great coming out of the gate. And then they played Alabama at home in a blackout game. And it was just, I think it was 30 to nothing at the half. It was bad. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> and, you know, I, I think most Georgia fans like me at the time just thought when we were ranked number one, oh, please don't do that to us. Tempting the <laughs> gods, hubris, 
Um, so yeah, I've, that, I've had some bad, bad memories of 2008, uh, you know, in this off season. And it does feel, I mean, when you hear, I mean, there's a lot of people saying this feeling very, I think there's a lot of national people that are more confident about Georgia theoretically than they are in practice, which is, I think I've just seen a lot of, yeah, Georgia really feels like it's set up for them this year. But I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> and I just, I think I've, I've just seen a lot of that. And that, again, feels like more of that history. And I, that, to me, that's one of the things when I think about like, okay, can, maybe they'll just win one and give it over with. Maybe, so we don't have to have that anymore. Cause I think that's the thing, right? Is, is what, what a championship does. It's obviously a championship and it's amazing. It doesn't sate you for very long, but what it does do is makes you no longer have to hear that crap. And I yeah. think, and, and, and I, that's what's going to happen. And it makes people, you know, it makes people not get mad. It makes people not bring up, uh, uh, like, obviously, going back to the Cubs, Joe Madden was a disaster of a manager in the 2016 World Series. He made so many stupid mistakes, but no one remembers any of them because they won. And so, like, to me, that's that makes you forget, you know, the fake punt in the Alabama, uh, the Justin Fields fake punt in the Alabama game, or the, uh, or, or, you know, I think some uh, people had some coaching issues uh, with, the, with the national championship game in, uh, in, in, in 18. Like, I think that, I think that's what it does. It eliminates that but yeah, well i i do i and, and uh, you know I, I agree with you totally on this however um i do have to say to georgia fans who are obsessed with this now and then would you really rather be in knoxville i mean they <laughs> won a national championship we did. yeah yeah would you really rather be at georgia tech they won a national championship since we did it you just need to put it in a little bit of perspective um you know, there's some real dumpster fires close by in college <laughs> football that I would not want to get anywhere close to for all the national championships around. But this is, well, this is sort of a, you know, a Georgia kind of thing. We had the same sort of debate for many years about the Atlanta Braves. What was it? We won 14 consecutive division yeah. titles and one World Series. Uh, what do you want? The occasional championship or consistent quality, I'm pretty much in the latter camp, but I understand other people aren't. Anything with this this, this year's team, you know, it's funny because the thing that has people excited again is that they, they've got everybody back, but they've got this quarterback. And I think Daniels is great, but I mean, you do not have to look very far into Georgia history or Kirby Smart history to see uh, Georgia quarterbacks getting hurt very early and having to recover uh, afterwards. And I wonder about that too. Like if if uh, if if JT Daniels goes down in the first half, are we in Stetson Bennett country again? <laughs> like could I think there's, uh, there's something to that too. Yeah, could be. I mean, you know, yeah, a lot of this, a lot of the optimism is based on. JT's performance in four games last year. Um, so, and we saw what happened uh, right before and at the beginning of the season last year at quarterback, where at one point things looked pretty good then. I think the most shocking thing to me, though, Will, is I mean, what I was worried about a few months ago was the secondary, where we had a huge. Uh, uh, you know, departure of talent to the NFL and the transfer portal. And Kirby plugged it with a couple of key transfers. Uh, and I thought, God, just one or two injuries and you're back in, you know, playing true freshman in the secondary in a pa- in the past happiest era of college football ever. But even at, you know, where you're absolutely stocked, wide receiver, um, 
I mean, Georgia Mace could set some sort of record for wide receiver talent um, and even tight end talent that's out. You know, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just shocking that that you know, two of our three of our injured wide receivers are apparently not going to be back anytime soon. The the one we got Gilbert in the transfer portal seems to have vanished. Um, you know, key tight end everybody's in love with out for a while with surgery, I believe. So things can happen fast in college football. Uh, you can lose a lot of talent really, really quickly. And of course, that's where depth matters. And, and fortunately, in most positions, Kirby's been really good at building up depth. Now, I, one of the things that we've talked about, you, know, you were here, you were back in Athens two years ago for the Notre Dame, uh, uh, Notre Dame game, and I think it was, it was crazy, and that game was, I've said before that, like, Notre Dame game was too much. <laughs> like, I like a big game in Athens, but the Notre Dame game was, it was at night, people were too rowdy, if you ask me. Like, it was a little much. I, I'm hoping the next big game in Athens, which I don't think will be this year, the schedule's not terrific at home no. this year, uh, but, uh, you know, I think that whenever that next one is, I hope it dials down a little bit. But I'm curious, you know, to me, this is the central thing. No matter what happens with this college football season, there's reason to be excited about Georgia, obviously. To, you know, I, I went to a couple games last year. Obviously, there was no tailgating, which to me, I mean, I loved going to the games. I had a good time. But I don't think there's anyone, even if you went to every game last year, is going to argue that they felt anything like something remotely resembling an actual college football season. <laughs> like, there were no tailgating. The vibe was weird. It was strange. And also, like, it wasn't just COVID going on last year. There was a lot of craziness going on uh, yeah. in the state of Georgia uh, uh, last year. And so... Listen, there's going to be a lot of craziness in that regard coming up, going in the state of Georgia in 2022, but not in 2021. And so for me, right. I find, and, I, and I'm curious, because I think we're going to go through all that. I think Georgia is going, may even be more of a crazy point in 2022 than it was in 2020, if that's possible, uh, just with everything that's kind of going on there. But I'm curious... Because one of the things I'm excited about for 2021, Delta, you know, we'll see what happens with Delta. But, you know, I mean, Georgia is sending – the university is sending out, here's how you do your tickets. Here's how here, here's how we're doing parking. Like, they are open for business, full crowd, full t- – the, the, the tailgating spots are booked up. They are full speed ahead. And I – listen, everyone has their own risk uh, valuation points on that. I am okay with that. <laughs> like I, I'm okay. I'm vaccinated. The people I care about are vaccinated, and um, I think that we have generally made good decisions. And uh, and uh, I feel like everyone's been through a lot, and having some college football uh, maybe could do some people some good. I'm curious where you think, as someone that writes about politics, obviously knows Georgia and has been fascinated to see kind of. I, I for me, you know, I mean, I when I moved to Georgia in 2013, I didn't know I was moving to the center of the political universe <laughs> in a lot of ways, and I'm sure right. it wasn't like that. Uh, back back when you lived here, I'm curious. Do you think that's something that college football can still do, even in a place like Georgia, that's such a whirlwind, uh, uh, kind of the center of everything? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. It certainly has been for me. I mean, uh, being a rabid bulldog fan has uh, really given me something to talk about to friends and relatives uh, in Georgia, with whom I would not dare discuss. Uh, <laughs> more serious topics like politics or religion. So, uh, I, you know, it's a matter of, it, 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 it's as important as food as a, as a bonding <laughs> device for me as a Georgia expat now living in California. So uh, it, it matters a lot to me, and I've never really had a 
too many unhappy moments in the company of George fans, uh, you know, except for a few jerks who seem to show up every time I go to a road game and embarrass me. <laughs> <laughs> but everybody's got those. Yeah. Yeah, every, every fandom ever, and and frankly, Georgia has more of them because Georgia has more fans. Right. This is why I always joke as, as a Cardinals fan when there, there were some Cardinals fan would do something jerky. I'm like, well, the Cardinals have a lot of fans. <laughs> Georgia has a lot of fans that increases the number of jerks. Though yeah, I I, I'm particularly it, thinking it, of a, a moment in uh, Tempe, Arizona, a number of years ago, where a Georgia fan really embarrassed me. There were thirty thousand of us there in Tempe, Arizona. So that tells you a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. Like, I mean, listen, I was at the Notre Dame game on the road, oh, yeah. and it was. I mean, they'll they'll Me talk about that forever. <laughs> like, 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 I, 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 I always take a lot of pride in that. I have a friend of mine who's a professor at uh, Syracuse, and she and she was joking. Uh, we've made this joke in the podcast before. She was joking that like because she doesn't really follow college football. And she was like, my God, because LSU played at Syracuse. <laughs> and she's like, my God, those people. <laughs> like, it's going to take us months to clean up after they're gone. And I feel like there's something about being that fan base that is that dedicated and that eager. I, I love that Knicks fans did that. Uh, I'm a Knicks fan. Like I, like, I love fan bases that that are that show up and are there. And I think that is what we're going to see this season really kind of no matter what happens. I do think it's a, a, one of the many, I mean, listen, I would like to say the worst thing about Delta is it's slightly made it a little bit more awkward at Georgia games. Uh, but no, I, I, I do think that Delta's tippered it, but just a little bit. I, I just think that, that you know this is what people have been waiting for. Uh, I cannot wait to be at that UAB game. It's a 3.30 game, which is like the perfect time for – but it's not a big game. I mean, UAB is not bad, actually. But uh, it's, it's still not a – it's not a game where you're going to be stressed out. We're going to be able to actually enjoy the tailgates, everyone enjoys this company, and feel like it's actually back a little bit. And sure, I'm going to be around a bunch of people who disagree with me politically and around a bunch of people who agree with me politically. And who cares? And to me, that is something that I love about sports, and it's something that I've frankly missed. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I don't know uh, when I'm going to make it back to Athens for a game, but I profoundly hope it will. It will be this year. And you know, I don't really care if it's a huge game. Uh, there, there may not be any experiences again that will match that moment in South Bend, Indiana, <laughs> when uh, the Georgia band played the fourth quarter anthem and thirty thousand flashlights came on, and you could hear the Irish fans just go ooh. <laughs> I don't have to experience that more than once. <laughs> All right. Well, any closing thoughts uh, heading into both the season? Do you have a prediction? Uh, do you have a, uh, other than pain? Uh, do you have a prediction for how this is going to go? What, any closing thoughts heading into uh, a season that I'm, I frankly am pretty excited about? Well, I just I, I hope we can find a way to enjoy it, and you know, despite our fears or despite the adversity that happens. Uh, if I had to guess right now, I would say 11 and one during the regular season, uh, another painful loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game. And then a, a nice new year's, uh, six bowl, <laughs> but, um, and you know what, that would be okay with me as long as we don't lose to Florida. Um, you know, yes. which would be too painful for words. 
But I, yeah, I think you're exactly right. This, this may not be the return to normalcy that we all hoped for and some of us expected, but it can provide a bit of, college football can provide a bit of normalcy in a world and in lives that just can't stop being weird. And that's enough for a sport. I could not agree more. <laughs> I'm very, very excited. Um, okay, so uh, remind everyone to follow uh, Ed at Ed underscore Kilgore on Twitter, and we just work at New York Magazine. Uh, he and I are constantly fighting for the front for the for on Tuesdays when I write my sports column, we are constantly <laughs> fighting for uh, for front page stuff. And and I do like every once in a while I because I'll pitch something. My editor is uh, Benjamin Hart, and I'll and I'll pitch something to Ben, and he'll be like, he'll like, hmm, uh, I'll pitch something non sports that's like you know Georgia related. And he's like, yeah, it's got it. I'm like, he's a California, but but you always know better than me. <laughs> you always do. So, uh, but Ed, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, and I'm glad. I hope everything. Uh, I'm glad everything is well uh, and, and and better health wise and. Uh, What's your setup? What do you? What do you? Are you watching by yourself, uh, Clemson, Georgia? Are you having a? Oh uh, Lord! What are you doing? Well, my wife for sure, who's actually the season ticket holder in our family, (laughs) will will be there. Um, You know, and our dog, who will be dressed in her jersey. Um, (laughs) You know, and we have two eighty-five-year-old church friends who have adopted Georgia football. Two women. so I suspect they'll be over, and we'll have our own little tailgate, and uh, and I don't know some other. Depending on the health situation, some other friends may come by, uh, and they'll all be warned that we will make barking noises. <laughs> so. It'll be four thirty in the afternoon out there too. It'll be like you'll, oh, you'll yeah. get like a good night's sleep. <laughs> so oh yeah, California. The best, I've always said California and the Central Time Zones are the best place to watch sports. Well, and and you know what? We won't even be drunk. Yeah, well, that's uh, I I didn't well, say that. Some, some of us. <laughs> um, all right, Ed, thank you. This is a pleasure to get to do every year. I hope you'll we'll, we'll come back and uh, do it again next year. And heck, hopefully, I'll get to see you out of the tailgate this. Great, year. thanks a lot. All right, be safe, everyone. We'll be back uh, with uh, me and T- Scott and Tony uh, pretty soon. Be safe.